I love this picture of David and Jonathan and Goliath's severed head. Let's just keep it up there for the duration of our time. We are um, sort of officially beginning today a series of conversations around relationships, which is an extremely broad term, of course, but uh, we'll narrow them down to human relationships and even more specifically, the kinds of relationships that we have in our lives that uh, have the potential to lift us up or destroy us and everything in between, right? So we have friendships, we have family, romantic relationships, uh, strangers, our enemies, um, and so on. I haven't decided exactly how far down this rabbit hole will go. Obviously, we could go on maybe forever, but I can tell you in two weeks, we'll have the pleasure of hearing Yoon, Tay talk about family. I gave him the option between friends and family, and he wanted family, so thank you for that. I was very relieved that you did that. Uh, I'm not sure why anyone would choose that. But in either case, we start today uh, with friendship, right? This ubiquitous thing that all of us, uh, I think, hopefully have experienced in multitude of ways, right? And given that fact, uh, one might think we would have some uh, easy ability to talk about what this thing is, but it actually is, is kind of hard, right? And I've only ever heard one sermon on the topic of friendship, it was actually in grad school during a preaching class, so I don't know if that actually counts. And amongst all the philosophy and theology texts I was assigned in school as well, I don't remember ever reading uh, anything about this matter. Maybe that's just my proclivity to not read that kind of stuff, but I don't remember it being a big thing. And yet there is actually a huge wealth of resources and, and writings and information on friendship, all the way from Aristotle to the New York Times, right? And uh, theological history that runs very deep from the Desert Fathers and the beginning of Christianity all the way to, um, you know, modern academic thought, as well as this sort of Jesus is my homeboy BFF kind of culture that some of us might have encountered in our lives. Personally, for me, friendship is a very important and vital part of my life, right? And in my reflections on this this week, I, it seemed very strange to me, it gets stranger to me that we don't talk about this thing more. And also that uh, theology in general has often centered itself around different kinds of relationships as a way to talk about Christianity. So like family and romantic partners, right? The metaphorical language of Christianity is this thing that's kind of, you know, wrought with this patriarchal terminology, right? God is father, Jesus is bridegroom. You know, really could have put itself on a much more equitable path, I think, by using friendship as its core descriptor. Uh, one might make the case that God as friend would actually be a more accurate description than something like father, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to that later. For now, we're going to do a brief examination uh, of friendship. It's kind of a wide survey here. We, I know you don't come to church for like an hour-long lecture uh, if you're in a class, so I'm going to try to fly through this, um, starting from ancient Greece to modern time. Uh, but basically what I'm trying to do is get us to start thinking uh, intentionally about this concept, right? So, bear with me. We start with Aristotle, whose ideas on friendship um, seem to be sort of the foundational text through which people uh, in philosophy have 
built upon this thing, right? His thing is, is often mentioned as the first thing and the thing in which everyone's sort of arguing against, right? And he categorized friendship these three ways. Friendships of pleasure, utility, and virtue. He argued that uh, friendships based on pleasure receive, you uh, receive pleasure from a friendship, or because of utility, you gain something out of it. These are sort of lesser forms of friendship. Um, it is actually a virtuous friendship or a complete friendship that is the highest uh, instantiation of this thing, right? And such friendships, these complete friendships are based on recognizing the other person as good or as virtuous, right? They are, and this friendship is exemplified by a reciprocity of goodwill. You want good things for each other and a mutual commitment to pursue a good life together. Aristotle thought that these kinds of friendships were actually incredibly rare. They're only uh, achieved seldom for certain people. But when you got there, what you got was what he called uh, one soul in two bodies, right? Or seeing such a friend as, quote, another self. The French philosopher Montaigne in the 1500s wrote an essay in which he picks up this aspect of Aristotle's description in friendship. He says this about a friendship he had with somebody that was very intense. Our souls pulled so unitedly together. They considered each other with so ardent an affection and with a like affection laid themselves open to each other to the very depths of our hearts that I not only knew him as well as my own, but should certainly have trusted myself more willingly to him than to myself. Elsewhere, when someone asked him why he loved this friend so much, he could only answer, quote, because it was he, because it was I. And this sort of description in Aristotle and in Montaigne, um, a reminiscent of the story we heard of David and Jonathan, right? Uh, we don't need to get into all this stuff, but they're basically these two friends, great friends. Um, a friendship described, as we heard in the passage, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. This is like intense shit, right? Like intense friendships. As it says in that passage, one can say that friendship is a kind of love, right? What kind of love it is, we can debate about that. If we remember in classic descriptions of love, we've talked about agape, eros, philia. Right? Philia is the one that's most often used to describe friendship, right? Which is a philia being a type of love that stands in contrast to the other two, um, in that it is, I would say, a softer love, maybe an affection in some ways, which can be applied not just to friends, but also family, coworkers, even one's country, right? I think it's also different in that it's fueled generally by this reciprocity between people, right? Agape doesn't really demand that. Uh, eros, you can have this like intense sexual desire for something, even if it's not reciprocated. Uh, philia has this kind of re reciprocity too, right? And so, in more modern uh, philosophical examinations of friendship, one can find a lot of discussion around the ways that friends have the power to shape and change us as people. We, I think we all can kind of intuit this, right? Friends help form our way of seeing the world, influencing how we live and how we strive to be. Uh, a friend can be like a mirror. Right? We can look upon a friend and see ourselves reflected in, other, in ways that we otherwise might have missed. Right? There's an element of causality and responsibility that emerges in friendship. Right? And one can go so far as to even say, perhaps, that there's an element of procreation in friendship, that we become actualized as people in our friendships. 
This sheds some light, I think, on the intensity of these descriptions from Aristotle, Montaigne, and the book of Samuel, right? A friend is another self because through each other, I actually become who I am. And so loving myself is to love them, and to love them is to love myself. Now we go to theology, right? Um, the work of Ared Ravu, ah, fuck it, man. a 12th century monk. Uh, a 12th century monk exemplifies a Christian interpretation of Aristotle, right? And a side note, basically all of early Christian thought is an interpretation of Aristotle in some way or another, but that's another issue. For um, Ared, similar to Aristotle, friendship was, he wrote, a virtue by which spirits are bound by ties of love. But love for him, and in, you see in a lot of Christian thinkers, was not this philia love, but was actually this agape love modeled in Christ, right? A love that is for all people, no matter what, one that goes so far as to maybe say that we ought to die for one another. Very intense, right? As Christ asked his friends to do, right? Christ said it in John 15, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend, right? And he ultimately did that. Agape in the Christian sense of unconditional love was not a concept that the ancient Greeks, Aristotle and so forth, would have really been familiar with, right? After all, um, complete friendship for Aristotle is to love someone for the virtue they have within them, right? Or with condition. But Agape's work is to see good in everybody, to see worth in everybody, to see everyone as deserving of love, just by virtue of grace. Agape for Ared, and also for Thomas Aquinas, another medieval philosopher, um, is the love that is fundamental to friendship, exemplified in the model of Christ, and is in this fellowship with Christ that friendship is made possible and perfect. I'm just throwing out a lot of things that you know, I understand. Stay with me, I'm almost done. How does this work? So in the passage we read from John, right, there's actually this really, uh, I would say, astounding little part. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. This is kind of a blasphemous idea to some people, right? This passage makes clear that the relationship to God and human beings is not this hierarchical one that we so often make it out to be, right? It's not about being controlled or dominated or subjugated. It is uh, to be in relationship as friends. Jesus, BFF. And the basis for this friendship, as we see in this verse, is this kind of shared knowledge, right? Again, the passage says, I do not call you servants any longer because servants do not know what the master is doing, but I call you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. And in this, we get a sort of hint about what is the defining characteristic of what we might call Christian friendship, which sounds hokey and reminiscent of like weird abstinence things, but I don't mean it that way. Uh, I mean in just Christian thought friendship, right? Um, Professor Caroline Simon puts it this way, a true friend knows me well enough to see me as I am, warts and all, but also knows me well enough to see me as someone whose best self aspires to be much more. Friendship affirms that 
a friend's view of his unfolding life story is substantially correct. Friendship commits itself to helping a person attain his vision of himself. Friendship involves not just endorsing someone's self-concept, but caring deeply enough about her aspirations to go out of one's way to help her achieve them. Piecing together all these bits from Aristotle all the way down, we get a picture of friendship that is about mutually actualizing each other, which is only possible with a kind of vulnerable intimacy that allows ourselves to be known by people. It may seem on one, in one way a bizarre thing to be friends with God. And when we think of God as this kind of like ethereal, nebulous concept, it is really strange. Um, but God, I would say, is also known by us as we are known by God. Right, there's this funny idea of God becoming human, right? And in doing so, being made vulnerable enough to be known by people. Incarnation is a lot of things, but I've not often heard it described as an act of friendship. But what if it were exactly that? In the end, I think we're left with this, um, a much more accessible notion of God as friend, which sounds great in some ways. Um, but if you know me, I won't leave it in easy terms, right? As with any intimate and vulnerable friendship, it's not an easy relationship, right? Uh, Professor Paul Waldo reminds us, there is no riskier vulnerability than to live in friendship with God because every friendship changes us, because friends have expectations of each other, and because friends are said to be committed to the same things. Any friend of God is called to faithfully embody the ways of God in the world, even to the point of suffering on account of them. So that's friendship for you in a nutshell. Uh, I'll bring it back down to earth for a second, right? It's difficult for me to understand, you know, as young adults, um, why it is that as we age and grow up, uh, friendship becomes such uh, less of a priority for us, right? Uh, it is said that friendship necessarily slides down the totem pole of priorities as we age because um, they are the first expendable thing in an unyielding set of responsibilities, right? If you have a kid, you've got to take care of that kid. You've got to see family, a job. You have to go work the job, right? Um, <laughs> What you don't have to do is hang out with somebody. Right? We've, all, we've all been there. An article I read about this phenomenon of uh, the way that friendships change throughout our lives uh, says this about adult, the attrition of friendships in our adult life. Friendships continue through changes in our lives because people are living up to each other's expectations. And if we have relaxed expectations for each other or even suspended expectations, there's a sense in which we realize that. It's sad, sure, that we stop relying on our friends as much when we grow up, but it allows for a different kind of relationship based on a mutual understanding of each other's human limitations. It's not ideal, but it's real. Friendship is a relationship with no strings attached except the ones you choose to tie, ones that just about 
one that's just about being there as best as you can. Did you all catch that? If we have relaxed expectations for each other, or we've even suspended expectations, there's a sense in which we realize that, period. It's sad, sure, that we stop relying on our friends as much when we grow up, but allows for a different kind of relationship based on a mutual understanding of each other's human limitations. So there's a sort of relief in reading that statement. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, perhaps can unburden us of some guilt for having uh, backed out, ghosted, canceled on many people in our lives. Yet something inside of me really hates what I just read. Right? It wants to push back against it. If we take these philosophers and theologians and so forth throughout the ages to be a little bit correct about the role of friendship in our lives, it seems a damn shame to settle into a place of low expectations of others and ourselves when it comes to this thing. Right? More than that, we risk, I think, um, settling into a place where we are locked into our own self-perceptions, losing the kind of mutual growth, imagination, and possibility that comes with friendship. I would say on a side note, romantic relationships can certainly be construed as primarily friendships. But I'm not going to get into all that. I'm going to come back here. Uh, on a Christian level, right, agape as the basis of friendship means that we are not bound by human limitations. I think that's a very important idea. In Christ, I would argue, uh, we find that our purpose in life is to actually be a friend. And again, we sort of shift the language of Christianity away from uh, this sort of like good servant or like the purpose in my life is to be a follower of Christ or something like that, right? Towards, I think, again, a more life-giving expression of friendship as the foundational basis of our relationship with God or with other people. I'll end here by saying that how we might rise above these so-called limitations uh, might look different for each of us, right? How that idea strikes you, if it does at all, I think is sort of relative and very personal. But what I do think is true for everyone is that living into a life of friendship requires a kind of intention and practice, right? Akin to the sort of value we place on practices like prayer and meditation, right? We talk about these things like spiritual practices, prayer, meditation, blah, blah. Friendship right, um, can be a spiritual practice for us. Right? Prayer and meditation do not have a monopoly in the spiritual practice place, marketplace. It is a holy, vital, and good practice to be friends with other, others. May the expectations we have of ourselves, of others, of God, not simply wane with the busyness of life, but may they rise high enough to make life itself actually worth living. Amen.